wait is over. Is over. Ladies and gentlemen, from the studios in the wrestling capital of the South, it's another terrific episode of The Binge Buster Show. Please welcome your host, Tony Binge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Binge Buster Show. I am so excited about this week's show. We have got a tremendous uh, podcast in store for you listeners out there. And uh, I, I cannot wait to, to do it. And before I can get started, I've got to bring on my co-host. I'm talking about none other than Chris Plano. Chris, what is going on? Boy, terrific, Tony. Thank you for having me back. I know it's been a couple of weeks. I am super excited about this episode this week and this taping that we're doing podcast. We're talking wrestling and rock and roll, and we're kicking it back to the mid-80s, and, and I'm, I'm fired up tonight. Man, it's going to be great, but uh, before we get into the podcast, Chris, I can't help, but i, I got to tell the people I'm excited. Uh, the last couple of times I've been seeing uh, Facebook pictures of, uh, of you out rocking and rolling, man. Looks like the music <laughs> scene is starting to pick back up. Tony, I, I'm telling you, uh, you know, Governor Roy Cooper and Dr. Mandy Cohen here, our, our state doctor here in North Carolina and our state uh, governor, you know, North Carolina is opening up. I mean, we're opening up. We're, we're, we're trying to move forward, you know, from the COVID-19 pandemic. Restaurants and bars are booking uh, local bands, local bands. We're not talking national, you know, you know big guns coming to town here. But, right. hey. The local tribute bands are playing. The local music scene's kicking up, and people are going out. and And it's it's crazy to see this evolution take place over the last you know four to six to eight weeks, and maybe even a little bit longer than that. But things are cranking up, and it's great to hear some live music. And as you know me, you know, kick it back in time into my high school and college days with that with that with those great rock and roll songs. Oh, yeah, for sure. And not only is the music industry opening back up, but so is professional wrestling. Because last weekend, Chris, I wrestled my first match in front of a live audience. Now, it was outside, but it was, man, it was so good hearing the boos and the cheers from the people and being able to look out and see uh, the reaction on their faces. Nobody was wearing masks because, you know, it's outside. And with the new. Uh, you know, the governor uh, saying it's okay to be outside without your mask on. Man, it was so good, you know, getting a reaction from the fans when uh, when me and my team came out. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And uh, speaking of uh, getting back out there, uh, you know, a lot of wrestling shows are starting to have, you know, people back. And uh, the NAWA, which we talk about this company a lot on this podcast, as they're one of our sponsors and uh, of course, I, I work for this company, but uh, this coming Saturday, um, they're they're having their uh, event called Homecoming, uh, and it's go definitely going to be a homecoming, Chris, because it's uh, live audience in a building. Uh, it don't get much better than that. Uh, so right now, before we continue this podcast, uh, we've got a little commercial that we want to play for the NAWA Homecoming coming up right after this. It's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, at the American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina. 
bell time, 7 p.m. On this huge card, you will see a big tag team grudge match as the Burke County Boys take on Chris Thunder Anderson and Axel Jaggers for the NAWA television title. Next to perfect, Adam James defends against AJ Frost. For the NAWA heavyweight title, Johnny Ryder takes on the professor with Mike Ramsey. Also see in action, wrestling legend, the Barbarian. And in the main event, for the NAWA Tag Team Titles, it's the Moonshine Express with WWE legend Henry Gowan taking on the former champions, the interns, with James McComb. That's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, at the American Legion Hall, 401 Main Street Northwest in Lenore, North Carolina. Doors open at 6 p.m., bell time 7 p.m. Tickets are only $10. Kids 6 to 12, only $5.00 and kids five and under are free. That's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina. Come out and see all of your favorite stars of the NAWA at the Homecoming. Man, that sounded almost as good as Tony Schiavone back in 1986, did it not? Woo! Oh, terrific, Tony. The American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina is going to be on fire this Saturday night. You got Barbarian coming to town. You got Henry Godwin coming to town. I know those Burke County boys, they're fired up, ready to go. And, and it's not its not just the wrestlers, Tony, in the ring. They're all fired up, but the fans as well. And whew, it's going to be a barn burner Saturday night. I, I, I can't wait. I, I, me either, and of course I, uh, me myself, Tony Binge. Uh, I am not wrestling on this card, but I will be there in attendance. I have got, and some if it, some of you fans may have saw this on the Facebook page, but now uh, Chris Terrific Tony has his own trading card, and this this thing is going to be more over than the Pokemon cards. <laughs> oh, I I get it, Tony. I know you're going to be in the crowd. You might even have your eye on a wrestler or two while you're while you're observing in the crowd and making observations. But I know you'll be interacting with the fans, and boy, I, I, you know I, I'm excited. The NAWA has been on fire, man. Those guys have been running strong. They survived the COVID nineteen pandemic, and it's been tough for independent wrestling, but they're coming out of it. And I know they're ready to kickstart this show Saturday night and blast off right through the summer and into the rest of 2021. 20, uh, yeah, it's going to be a great time. I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to it, and uh, I hope all, all you fans out there that are in the Carolinas uh, close by, if you're not doing anything Saturday, come on out and support the NAWA. It's going to be a, a great, fun family time. Uh, come out and get your picture taken with the Barbarian. Uh, get your picture taken with Henry Godwin. And uh, and that, that right there is kind of a special treat because – Henry Gowan doesn't make a lot of personal appearances as it is. Mm-mm. So for him to be here at the NAWA, that, that right there is telling you that the NAWA is definitely the up and coming, and you have definitely got to you know, check out their show uh, when one comes to your town. Now, getting towards the podcast. Now, uh, we are coming up on the anniversary of the, for the very first Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament. Uh, that one... The original one took place uh, on April the nineteenth, nineteen eighty six, in New Orleans. And uh, man, Chris, it, it was it was such a good time to be a wrestling fan in the eighties. Um, 
And I, and I think the Crockett Cup just kind of added to that. Uh, so right now, fans, we are going to be uh, uh, starting our podcast uh, talking about the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament. The first annual Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup Tag Team Tournament was held on April the 19th, 1986 at the New Orleans, Louisiana Superdome. Uh, it was a two-day event. Uh, during the day, had an afternoon show and then an evening show. Uh, and it showcased a lot of great wrestling talent all over the world. From NWA stars to UWF stars to WWF stars. They were all wanted to be part of this Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. And the payoff was a check for $1 million and the prestigious Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup. Coming up now on the Binge Buster Show. All right, Chris. Man, that the, the Jim Crockett Senior Memorial Cup was uh it was a it was a cool event how they um you know had so many of the of of nineteen of the nineteen eighties uh guys there. Uh you, you saw a lot of tag teams that you knew and then you also saw some people that teamed up that you were scratching your head going how that happened, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but it was still a, a, a great time. It, I, I, I mean, Tony, I, I look, you know, 23 matches in, 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 in all, I want to say, uh, 21 of the 23 were tag team matches between the afternoon and evening sessions. And I, I, I mean, there's so much talent on the show in, in one building at one time. It's, I mean, it's like, it's just a big re it's almost like a, a reunion in the back of some sort for some of these guys. And, oh uh, yeah, for sure. What, I mean, what, what a great time for the NWA. Listen, they're right in the heart of, of battling with the world wrestling federation, you know, uh, you know, trying to be, you know, having this event in new Orleans, we talked about, you know, the relationship with the UWF and, and, you know, this was huge. Listen, one of the reasons I bought, the magazines back in the, in the mid eighties was because they had the results and stories from the Crockett cups. And I want to know what was going on in other territories. And it was huge into the spring and really laid the groundwork for the NWA of, of what the summer would be, you know, leading into the bashes. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and what, what I thought was so cool about this Crockett cup being the first one, um, was the fact that, uh, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, a, a, a big tournament and they, and like you said, they, they had a lot of teams in, in this tournament. Uh, some guys that, that, you know, a lot of times we, uh, didn't get to see very often, uh, and much less, uh, not only that, but, you know, teaming, to, you know, you had, we had different people teaming together that you never saw, uh, typically team together. Uh, for instance, the, 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 uh, the team of, um, and, and this right here is a really weird pairing, but, Black Bart, our good friend Black Bart, uh, teaming mm-hmm. with gorgeous Jimmy Garvin. Now, now you've uh, you, you got a guy from Tampa and a guy from Texas, and uh, two totally different types of guys. But man, they um, you know they you know they they went in there, um, and then uh, another team. Uh, now now this this team I liked. Uh, your your good friend, the Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and, mm-hmm. our, and our other good friend, handsome Jimmy Boogie Woogie Valiant. They were a team. Uh, then you had uh, Nelson Royal and Sam Houston. Uh, so we, we had a lot of g- great talent in there. 
but I, but I have to say, as the Crockett Cup uh, lingered on, uh, my top four picks uh, in this tournament would have been the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, um, Magnum TA and Ron Garvin, and the Road Warriors. And, of course, uh, as we know, uh, there at the end, it ended up being in the finals, which was really crazy to see. Two babyface tag teams in there, uh, the Road Warriors and uh, with Paul Ellering uh, taking on Magnum TA and Ron Garvin. Uh, the, the final match goes 9 minutes, 49 seconds with the Road Warriors uh, coming out on top. And uh, and really, Chris, uh, the Road Warriors were already big time over. You know, they, they mm-hmm. were really popular. But I really think them winning the Crockett Cup really put them on a pedestal. Oh, yes, yes. When it comes to tag team wrestling, I mean, with, without a doubt. I mean, th- this was a tournament, Tony, where you had – some really, really well tuned up and gelled tag teams. And then you had some tag teams that were just thrown together and they had to make the best of it. Cause guess what? We're wrestling for a million dollars here in the trophy. So right. we're going to make this work. Whether I like you don't like you, uh, we, we, we gotta, we gotta get in there and, and, and rock and roll this thing. No, no pun intended with, with, with Ricky Martin and, and, um, and Robert Gibson, but that's the way it was. And I mean, but if you look at this Crockett Cup, I mean, look who the Road Warriors had to go through. They defeated Mark Youngblood and, and Wahoo McDaniel. I mean, okay, Wahoo in his own right, okay. I mean, they got in there, and then they had to go through the, uh, what, the Midnight Express? Midnight Express, yep. And then they had to defeat Magnum and Ronnie Garvin. I mean, what else do you want at the end? I mean, I think, I think they... <laughs> I think they paid their due, other than maybe facing Arn and Tully. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and they, they kind of ran the, ran the gamut. Right, and one thing, you, one thing, I look at this and I'm, I'm like, wow, um, the, the, all these guys had to be in tremendous shape to go out there and work. You know, these eight, twelve, fourteen minute matches, um, and to you know, and to, and to know that okay, I worked this match and I put I put everything into it, but I got to go back out there and two or three more matches and do the same thing again. Uh, you know, tur- tournaments are very tough, especially if, uh, you know, if, if, if you're out there working multiple times. So looking at this it lets you know exactly, you know, how great a shape that the Road Warriors were in during this time. I mean, absolutely. And just the level of talent from top to bottom. You have some wrestlers from Japan. You, you, you've had wrestlers all across the United States here. I mean, Friends, foes, <laughs> you you name it. I look at Jimmy Valiant and Manny Fernandez. You know, Boogie's probably like, oh, Manny, <laughs> you know, you only imagine what's going on there. I mean, Bull, Bull's ready to go full, you know, ready to knock everyone out. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah for sure. <laughs> and um, uh, he's ready to take it out all over the arena. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and then not only did uh, we, you know, get, get to see so many tremendous tag team matches, but we also got to see – Two great singles matches, uh, mm-hmm. which first one was for the Mid-South North American heavyweight title as the champion, uh, Jim Duggan, uh, who, who wasn't going ho quite yet, uh, taking on another tough guy and Dick Slater. Uh, their match goes nine minutes, 12 seconds. And then right after them, uh, we, we get to see the NWA heavyweight champion, Nature Boy Ric Flair, 
Uh, I don't do no jobs of 70,000 people <laughs> uh, against Dusty right. Rhodes and Baby Doll. And uh, what was cool was that the day of this show, uh, they actually taped a uh, edition of um, of uh, World Championship Wrestling. And on that show, Ric Flair comes out, um, I guess at this time, uh, he, he was kind of letting them know that he wasn't going there and dropping the belt. Uh, but, but he had this great promo that says, I don't do no jobs in front of 70,000 people. Uh, well, what I would like to do right now is play that promo so everyone can hear it, uh, and get a, a good laugh. Like I did when I heard it. Okay. Will it be this man? Again. Tell him like it is girls. Who's the damnedest man you've ever met in your entire life? Put that camera on that side one time. Put it up one time. Rick, Rick. Woo! And I want the whole world to know I got my Learjet sitting right out there at Pete Cheney Cab. And in just about 20 minutes, I'm going to ease down the steps, Ted Turner by my side, get my limousine, Ride on 85, get my Learjet, woo, and take off to New Orleans. You got it, New Orleans. If you're watching right now, I'm 42,000 feet easing on it. Because in several hours, woo, I'm going to walk that out. Look at his only the nature boy I can look. Oh, so fine. I'm not even going to tell you it's going to be JD on my left and Mary on my right. But I'm not telling any of you which one of my robes I'm wearing till I get there tonight. The bottom line is, Big Dust, if you got the butterflies, don't feel bad. You got to wrestle the world champion. And in New Orleans tonight, the joint's going to be packed. And I don't do no job in front of 70,000 people. I walk down that aisle and I take care of it. Who is only Flick Richard? And then one more public announcement after I beat up Dusty Rhodes. I'm going to ease across the street to the high regency and drink all the champagne. Anything you want yeah. is on the world check. <laughs> I mean, just Chris, oh, man. listen to that. He don't do no jobs in front of 70,000 people. And uh, and after he wins, go across the street and all the drinks are on him. And that's a shoot because I'm sure that happened. Tony, I'm telling you now, that is Ric Flair at his best on the microphone the day of the show to get that walk up at the arena to sell tickets. Cause I'm going to tell you right now, the way he sounded, he was ready to go 60 minutes with dusty roads oh, in New Orleans yeah. that night. He sure was now. Uh, and, but, and I can guarantee you there were some people at the Hyatt Regency after the show looking for the nature boy. Oh, you know, they were. <laughs> I can guarantee you. And I'm Maybe sure some wrestlers too. <laughs> I'm sure there's some people there and I, and I bet they were ages 18 to 18 to 30, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, but, uh, but man, what a, what a great time, Chris, to, um, mm-hmm. c- could you imagine being in the business in 1986? I mean, I, I, I often say I was born about 10 years too soon or too late. 
Because if I had been born about 10 or 15 years earlier, man, I still, in my heart of hearts, I think I would, I would have been up there. Man, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it was an exciting time. Uh, I mean, the money was pouring in. And, and listen, the promotions were spending a lot of money, too. Yes. You know, it, it was going both, it was going both ways. Um, you know, we, we, we know between you and I, there was nowhere near 70,000 fans in Louisiana Superdome that particular day, but on television to everyone, it was the biggest thing in the world and yeah. for, and a and million dollars back then, a million dollars is still a hell of a lot of money. But in 1986, it was a hell of a lot of money back then. You and know, you, you no would one think, was doing that kind of stuff. Right. In 1986, a million would be like today, a trillion, you know, in, in, right. in, in people's eyes. So, uh, it wasn't nothing to joke about. And, uh, and also it lets you know that Jim Crockett promotions was, uh, that they were there and they were ready to make a name, uh, and show, uh, the wrestling world to show the wrestling fans that, uh, that, uh, you know, there uh, might've been another company up North that had, you know, cartoon characters, but they had the real deal down here in the South baby. And, uh, and, you know, and, uh, you, you know, know, and, 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 you know, and I, I don't want to take anything from the WWF. Or the NWA, but hey, some of these guys in the back of their mind saying, "I got to make an impression in this Crockett Cup, yeah. not only for my my stay in the NWA, but I might get picked up by the WWF one day." Right. Mm-hmm. Whether it be singles, tag, whatever. So you know, these guys are auditioning. You know, uh, trust me, there were some eyes eyeballs looking at New Orleans that day. Oh yeah, of what was going on. And the thing about it is, in 1986, if you look, um, there were several guys on this card that went to the WWF in 86 and become mm-hmm. huge stars guys like right. Rick Martel, Dino Bravo, uh, Coco, Be- Coco beware. Uh, I mean, there, there were some guys there that, that went up North and, and, and were bigger stars there than they were, you know, here in the Carolinas. So, uh, what you say, Chris is, is you're hundred percent right on that. Um, uh, so, uh, you know, big payoff for, for those, for those guys, you know, they, uh, may mm-hmm. not have won a Crockett cup, but man, they got picked up and, and, you know, they're for a while between 80, I say between 87 to 89, uh, Coco beware was like one of the top draws in the WWF. I mean, uh, they, uh, made the wrestling oh, album, huge. they made the wrestling album pile driver and, and he had the, you know, he had the, uh, the title track off the album. So, um, no. So, I mean, it, it was definitely a, a good thing for him. Oh, Coco Beware was huge in the WWF with the, with the, with the, um, the, the, the bird or the parrot that he would bring out. Different Frankie. Colors and That's Frankie. Frankie, right? Yeah. Frankie the parrot. And, and not just that. And, and Coco Beware to be so over, you know, as an African-American wrestler in the mid to late eighties was, was, was not easy in the wrestling business. You know, you had Tony Atlas. Yeah. Tony Atlas was over and you had several others, but it was tough. If you were an African American to be on top. Yeah. And to not only get there, but to maintain it. Right. As well. Right. For sure. So it was definitely a tough job. And in the eighties, I would, I would say the, the two most popular African American wrestlers uh, of our day of the eighties would have to be, Coco be wearing the junkyard dog. I mean, those, yes. those guys were, were really popular. Oh, JYD had, had, he just had the perfect gimmick. And when he went to the WWF, it, it, it was even bigger. 
Oh, I yeah. mean, than what it was with the chain and the collar and the dog and the other whole nine yards. And, 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 but, but that was, you know, the cities that Vince McMahon was promoting Boston, New York, Philly, Chicago, Pittsburgh, you know, uh, St. Louis, heavy African, African American following. And you had to have that mix in the, in the card to draw as many fans as you could. Right. You yeah, know, to get them in the just, door. even when they had the you know, Mexican wrestlers or midgets or the women wrestling or, you know, you, you, you got to get as many people there as, as, uh, as, as, as possible. And, and those guys, some people went to the shows just to see them. Yeah, for sure. That's who they looked up to. It was, it was, it was definitely an amazing time. Uh, to be a, I know, I know we say this a lot on on the show, but mm-hmm. man, to, to be a, a wrestling fan in the '80s or to be a wrestler in the '80s, uh, it was a special time for sure. Absolutely, and for these guys, the money was pouring in. Um, these promotions were spending a lot of money. Um, you know, we're right on the cusp of you know pay per views and, and closed circuit television kind of wrestling going on beside the live in the arenas and the magazines are running strong and, you know, everyone's trying to find their niche and, but they all want a piece of that pie. But I mean, a, a great time, you know, I, I would have probably, if you were to take a half step back, I would have loved to seen this event, maybe in a more, uh, a Crockett stronghold city yeah. versus new Orleans. Um, but, obviously there was some business going on behind the scenes where it had to happen there, but you know, a lineup of this sort would do well. I think anywhere at this time throughout the East coast oh, yeah. uh, of wrestling without a doubt, for sure. Uh, the Crockett cup was, uh, was definitely amazing. We, they end up having uh, a couple of more and, uh, you know, maybe later on in the year we, uh, might, might discuss those, but, uh, all in all, uh, the Crockett Cup is definitely a. Uh, it was a. It was a great time and a great event. Um, and and the, the and the fact of the matter is, you know, not only was it a great event, but it was honoring uh, one of the greatest promoters of all time, Mr. Jim Crockett, Senior. So um, so you know, it, it definitely served its purpose. Um, and uh, you know, I was excited excited to see it. Uh, I think the, the you know one of the coolest Crockett Cups they had was in. Um, it was a little, a little too late, but in 1988 they uh, brought the Crockett Cup to the Carolinas. Uh, they had uh, first night was in Greenville, uh, South Carolina, and then the finals were held in the Greensboro Coliseum. Um, mm. And uh, man, what a, it, it was! It was a good time. I, I did not get to go to to, to that event, uh, unfortunately, but it but it, it was good to see it come to the Carolinas. But by that time. Uh, a lot of the the uh, Carolina fans were starting to lose interest in Jim Crockett Promotions because they had taken their flagship Starcade out of the Carolinas, um, and um, unfortunately, when when the, you know you, I've read this a lot in, in a lot of books, um, but when the Crockett's took Starcade from the Greensboro Coliseum, they lost a ton of fans and a ton of support when they done that. Yeah, that was their home base. I mean, that was and, – and, and Crockett made it that way, that Greensboro yep. was the home base for Starcade, and, and, you know, when you're moving, it's kind of like you're taking something that's very precious to that market. 
Yeah. Um, you know, and okay. So now why should we support you going forward? You kind of took the best thing we ever had here <laughs> from us. Right. So, you, you know, and, um, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. Hey, wrestling fans are fickle. I think they've always been fickle to an extent. Um, uh, maybe even somewhat controlling <laughs> to an extent as well. Right. But you, you know, I mean, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think if anyone ever talks about Starcade, you think Greensboro Coliseum, Greensboro, North Carolina. I, I think they just go hand in hand. Yeah, automatically, uh, without a doubt. So, well, fans, I hope that you guys have enjoyed the podcast this week as we talked about Jim Crockett Promotions. Uh, and now we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, we, we are bringing back. I've had a lot of fans ask about this. When are you going to bring back the flashbacks? Well, uh, we are bringing back the flashbacks tonight, and we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, another huge event, uh, anniversary, uh, so to speak, uh, about the very first outdoor uh, type of a rock and roll festival after Woodstock. I'm talking about the U.S. or the Us Festival um, and uh, we're going to be talking about that as soon as we come back from this commercial break. It's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, at the American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina. Bell time, 7 p.m. On this huge card, you will see a big tag team grudge match as the Burke County Boys take on Chris Thunder Anderson and Axel Jaggers. For the NAWA television title, next to perfect Adam James defends against A.J. Frost. For the NAWA heavyweight title, Johnny Ryder takes on the professor with Mike Ramsey. Also see in action, wrestling legend The Barbarian. And in the main event, for the NAWA tag team titles, it's the Moonshine Express with WWE legend Henry Gowan taking on the former champions, the interns, with James McComb. That's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, at the American Legion Hall, 401 Main Street Northwest in Lenore, North Carolina. Doors open at 6 p.m., bell time 7 p.m. Tickets are only $10. Kids 6 to 12, only $5. And kids 5 and under are free. That's the NAWA Homecoming, Saturday, May the 8th, American Legion Hall in Lenore, North Carolina. Come out and see all of your favorite stars of the NAWA at the homecoming. This week's classic flashback. The greatest gathering of rock artists in music history. The Us Festival 83, Memorial Day weekend, Glen Helen Park, San Bernardino, California. The music event of the 80s continues with more, more music, The Clash, Minute Work, from the world's largest stage, Van Halen, Scorpions, through the world's most powerful sound system, David Bowie, Stevie Nicks, with more multimedia spectacle, more giant video projection, more lights, more lasers, The Us Festival 83, more than a concert. Call now for ticket information. All right, fans, we are back here on the Binge Buster Show. Uh, the U.S. Festival, or the U.S. Festival, um, took place uh, Labor Day weekend, 1982. Uh, right, took place right there in Glen Haven Regional Park in San Bernardino, California. Uh, and, Chris, on this big card, man, 
I say card, but I mean concert. Uh, mm-hmm. It was definitely, man, the who's who um, of music. Uh, it was the who's who and the who's are going to be. Uh, basically, uh, you had a three-day event, um, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Um, and uh, I'm sorry, actually, um, it was, uh, I'm talking about the one in 1983 we're talking about here. Uh, mm-hmm. Memorial Day weekend, 1983. It took place uh, on Saturday, um, May the 28th, Sunday, uh, May the 29th, and then Monday, May the 30th. Um, and, uh, man, you talk about some of the who's who's of, uh, of, you know, of music, uh, man, we had, we had, you know, bands, the flock of seagulls, stray cats, uh, men at work, the clash. Uh, we had, uh, U2, one of your, one of your favorite bands there, Chris, Mm -hmm. Stevie Nicks, David Bowie, Hank Williams, Jr. Um, uh, Wailing Jennings, we had country, we had rock, we had pop, we had, uh, but you have to admit, Chris, Sunday, May the 28th, I'm sorry, May 29th was heavy metal day. It started out with Quiet Riot, who, who was just starting to break out. Motley Crue, who hadn't, who hadn't even released a major album yet. Ozzy Osbourne, Judas Priest, Triumph, Scorpions, and Van Halen. Man, what what a lineup that was right there, Chris. Almighty. Oh, this was, uh, I mean, you had talent just from all over the world at, at this particular uh, festival. And we, what a great Memorial Day weekend in California. I mean, you know, this festival, you know, I'm not saying, you know, MTV was what, what, what had a presence at that point, you know, early on, you know, so a lot of these bands were, kind of springboarding a little bit off of MTV to an extent, or they really were. But I mean, just the lineup and the talent and the, and, and God almighty from a planning and promoters perspective, I mean, behind the scenes that had to be a nightmare. Oh man. <laughs> All these different acts and personalities and locker rooms and times on stage and off stage and set up and break. I mean, this is just like, what's going on there? But, um, and the amount of money being invested, I mean, it was, it was wild. And well, and the cool and the crazy thing, Chris, if you can imagine this in 1983, you know, money was worth a lot back then, but, mm-hmm. uh, this festival lost $12 million. Now you think about that for a minute, 12 to lose $12 million trying and to put together. Get. Yeah. Trying to put together a huge, uh, outdoor, uh, concert to try to rival Woodstock. Um, but man, I'll tell you, Chris, uh, I would give anything to be, again, I said this a little earlier in the show. Uh, I was born a little too late because <laughs> if I'd been born a little bit sooner, man, I, I would have been on the plane headed out to LA to, uh, or to California to, uh, take part in this, uh, in this great, uh, in this great, uh, this great concert because, um, Let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Uh, at least ten of these acts are still my some of my top favorite bands and uh, artists that I listen to to this day. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of fan, a lot, a lot of our listeners at home. You know, I talk about Motley Crue all the time. Uh, they are one of my, they are one of my favorite bands, 
but they uh you know at 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 the uh you know i i also like um do you know hank williams jr he's he's one of my favorites uh man i never got to see waylon jennings in concert i would love to have saw waylon mm-hmm. jennings you know um yeah. so a, a mm-hmm. lot of bands here that play that you know are no longer with us or don't play anymore it would have been cool to see them you know here in this heyday right hey, you know here's the thing you know you and i we're, we're looking at these lineups and we're like wow this lineup is you know this lineup is incredible yeah you know we're looking at this now you know circa where we're now in 2021 but remember, we're going back to 1983 here right when you look at some of these bands like u2 um, I'm going to, I'm going to throw Van Halen in there. I'm going to throw Motley Crue in there. Um, you know, I might be missing another band or so, but for some of these bands, their biggest hit didn't even come out yet. Right. You too, the Joshua tree, which was their biggest album they ever put out was still four years away. Right. I mean, uh, Motley Crue, <laughs> I mean, and, and you look at a band like, um, there was one other band I, I pulled out of there. I, I missed Van Halen, 1984. Their biggest album was uh, still a year away. So they didn't even play jumper Panama. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, yeah. So it's, that's the great thing about it is you saw some of these bands that were on the cusp of, they may not even know what the heck was going to happen to them. Yeah. And, you know, and, and Chris, here's a crazy thing. You look at this for a minute. Okay. Motley Crue, uh, is playing this festival with all these big acts, Ozzy, Judas Priest, Scorpions, Van Halen, who had been out for a while. Um, mm-hmm. But, but I mean, Motley Crue had, had you know, they, they had released their own album, uh, you know, their, their self, self-produced self album, Too Fast for Love. Um, but at this point, they hadn't even really, you know, branched out, uh, but they're getting ready to. And so they're, they're playing this festival, um, and they're playing it on – May the 29th, 1983, and Shout the Devil didn't come out until September. So right. May, June, July, August. So they're, they're four months of their album being released worldwide, but yet I've, I've, I've heard interviews and saw uh, Vince Neil talk about it, that when they were playing Shout the Devil, the people knew the words already, which, right. was, which was amazing. And it was because they were such a big band in the in the in California that a lot of the people had already saw them play in the clubs and knew a lot of these a lot of this music. So that just gives you an, a, a little example of of how amazing this um, US Festival was. Yeah, I mean, if you look at this, all right, I've just pulled up Motley Crue set list from they played nine songs. Mm-hmm. One of them was a cover, Helter Skelter. Yep. Fine. But their hits at that looks that kill, shout at the devil, PC your action, and live wire. Um, that, and, and the crazy thing, Chris, all them songs are still in their set list today. If you go right. see Motley Crue play, and then Helter Skelter was a Beatles cover. Yeah, but Helter Skelter also right. appeared on Shout the Devil. So right, Motley Crue were way ahead, way ahead of their time back then. Um, and what's so so cool and crazy is the fact that all them songs that you just mentioned, if you put them in, a, if you turn on your your smartphone and you you listen to your music uh, stream, where however you get your music, or even some of you people may still have CDs and cassettes, whatever. 
But you put in some Motley Crue and you play one of them songs and it doesn't sound outdated. It really doesn't. Right. No, not at all. <laughs> no, no. It looks like it was just, you know, made last year. Right. And and you not know? and not just Motley Crue, but any of those bands that, that play the Us Festival, if you go back and play their music, it really don't sound outdated. It still sounds current today. No, even the, you know, you two, the Joshua Tree album with, um, you know, with With or Without You, where the streets have no name. I mean, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I mean, they still sound, they still play them on the radio. Yeah. These, these songs. I mean, I look at, I just pulled up U2's set list from this festival. They played 11 songs. Um, you know, but their only hits were Gloria back then, New Year's Day, uh, Sunday, Bloody Sunday, I Will Follow. I mean, those were really their hits. I mean, we're going pre, Josh, we're going pre a lot of hits there. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, really, you two, I think, really broke out two years later after this festival at Live Aid. Yeah. Is where I think you two really broke out. And then they followed up with the Joshua trait. And, but these bands are on the cusp. I mean, they really, really, I'm almost afraid to pull Van Halen's set list up from this festival because, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's really pre, you know, a lot of their hits. Um, but it's great stuff. Yeah. I mean, it At really was. Um, it, it was, it was crazy because, um, you know, all these bands were, you know, tremendous uh, uh, acts and, and, you know, during this con, you know, during, during this concert, uh, it was just totally amazing of all the, of all the bands that were played and all the songs that, you know, that they actually played. Now, Chris, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I did it. I pulled up, uh, Van Halen's set list from, uh, and they had a long the, one. They had a long one, 22 mm -hmm. songs. Um, but as I look at it, I only know a few of these songs. <laughs> Excuse right. me, that they played like uh running with the devil Janie's crying mm -hmm. uh you know and then uh dancing in the street of course you know that that's that's a classic um and then everybody wants some um a pretty woman uh ain't talking about love and uh that's it and and uh and then of course then they come out come back I'm sorry I lied they actually played 24 songs and, right, they did an encore, yeah. Yeah, they did an encore, uh, but a lot of the a lot of their stuff were covers. You know, if you look at if you go back and look at it, um, and uh, but man, you know, Van Halen was was a top act at this point in time, and uh, it was just a uh, I mean, it, I would love to have just been backstage and just walking around and watching some of these guys what they were doing in the eighties, man. I know you know Vince Neil had a had a few blondes pinned up there in his uh in his tent. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I mean, it was the the back the actually the backstage area might have been more you know even twice as exciting than what was on stage. Right. You know what was going on? I mean, people trying to get back there. Who's in? Who's out? Who's going? Where? There? Everywhere? You know, it's just a little bit of everything. But you know, I'm looking at this Van Halen set now, and and you know the songs that pop out: Unchained, um, Running with the Devil, Jamie's Crying, um, Somebody Get Me a Doctor is an old song. Yeah. Uh, dance the night away. Everybody wants some. I mean, I do know, but you got to be a hardcore 
Van Halen fan back then to know these songs. I mean, these yeah. songs were not on the radio. No. I mean, you had to like, you know, know the band. And and that's really what made them Van Halen. Yeah. They had a couple of hits, you know, shout at the, you know, um, not shout out, running with the devil and things, but they really didn't go mainstream until that 1984 album. And then Van Halen got the radio flight, you know, yeah. with jump and Panama and Hopper teacher and, you know, the list goes on and on, um, yeah. you know, but prior to that, you really had to know who they were. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, but you know, during this time, man, these, these bands, uh, were really, you know, tearing up the, the sunset strip. I know Van Halen was playing the strip and, uh, quiet riot Motley Crue. Uh, I'm sure Judas peace, Judas priest and Scorpions probably were as, as well. Uh, and not only them, but you know, some of these other bands, I'm sure like stray cats and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and people like that. I mean, the, um, the whiskey go, go, uh, was a, was a, was a great place to go and listen to live music. And one day, Chris, I hope that you and I can make it to California together. We can go there and check out a show or two, but, um, but, uh, but, you know, looking back at this show, uh, man, it would, it would have been awesome to be there and be a part of that. Oh my God. It would have been, I mean, these guys were bigger than life. I mean, you know, it, it really does parallel and we talk professional wrestling here on, on this podcast, you know, week in and week out. But you know, this was, if you didn't have exposure to MTV with these bands, what did you do? You ran down to the local record store and back then, Tony, we bought the big LPs, right? Right. Yeah. And then after you bought the big LPs, you ran to the magazine comic store to get the monthly magazines to see what these bands were doing. And you wanted to collect the centerfolds and that that's what you did. I mean, and that's how, and then when you saw them in person, it was bigger than life, you know, because this is, we're really talking cable TV is just really hitting them. We were talking cable television here is really hitting the mainstream. And you know, these bands, that's how you found out what they were doing. And that's how they promoted these guys, you know, back in the day. And then when they came to town, it was the place to be. Right, exactly. Um, yeah, you know, and, and I'm sitting here right now doing a little research uh, to going back to 1983 uh, and, you know, pull up the the top 10 uh, movies of 1983, Chris. Um, the, and, and this right here kind of gives you an idea of, of where we're at because, like you said, cable wasn't out yet. You had to go to the theater to see these movies. But we had... The Dead Zone was number 10, The Meaning of Life, mm-hmm. uh, Videodrome, uh, and The Ship Sails On, Nostalgia, uh, Three Crowns of the Sailor, The Fourth Man. Now, right now, I'm still, I haven't, I don't know any of these movies. Um, now, here we go. Star Wars, Return of the Jedi. Okay. There that, you go. That was a big movie in 1983. Uh, City of Pirates, never seen that one. But now here's now, now Chris this this next the, the number one movie in 1983 I'm going to tell you it's going to blow your mind and all you listeners at home is going to probably blow yours as well but it was Scarface okay number one movie that that being the number one movie is not what blows your mind what blows your mind is I am uh, now 47 years old and I just saw Scarface for the first time about three months ago <laughs> wow can you I believe mean, yeah I mean. Yeah, I mean, you know, Scarface, uh, you know, a, a great movie. Uh, 
was circa what what Miami and, and Southern Florida was doing back then. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you know, you know, with, with, with drugs and drug trafficking and cartels and mob and mobs and 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 uh, you know, it, and it worked. And 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 people were drawn to that. Yeah, I mean, to them, it was bigger than life. For Al Pacino, you know, Scarface, he was coming off of his Godfather movie runs. So you know, for him. You know, <laughs> it, it, it was, was good, you know, it, it was, was like deal. bigger than life. I mean, right. you know, it was just, a, it was just another mafia type, uh, uh, a drug Lord, but just in a, in a different setting versus an Italian mob. Now he's with, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, the Latinos or whatever he was trying to do in, uh, um, you know, on Scarface, but that's what it was back then, you know, and that, that was in and really, you know, I think Scarface may even, had had a, a a little help in in having Miami Vice be created, um, you know, to an extent with with that program in the mid '80s. Miami Vice was huge. I mean, that's what people wanted: palm trees, flamingos, you know, guys on the cutting edge, fashion, clothing, you know, illegal activity, and it, it just perks people's interest. Yeah, yeah, it, it's crazy. Um... And, uh, you know, and, and you were sitting there talking about, you know, that at this time that that was the big thing. Now, real quick, before we end this podcast, I want, I want to get this in, uh, you know, one of my favorite all time movies was blow with Johnny Depp. And, it, and it's the movie about George Young, who was the, uh, the big cocaine smuggler of the eighties. Uh, I've, i read online last night that, uh, George, uh, passed away, um, he uh he served most of his life in prison uh because of drug smuggling but what a great movie about his life uh and Johnny Depp played this guy almost to the T Yeah, I mean Johnny Depp's a great actor no matter what. <laughs> you know, um yeah, I mean, that's, I didn't realize you. I didn't realize you passed away. Yeah, I saw it late. I saw it late last night, about eleven o'clock. It came through, uh, and I saw it on the um, on Facebook, and I was like, "Man, uh, George, I believe was seventy eight years old." Um, wow! And uh, you know, he's uh, he's actually the same age as my mother. So, um, but yeah, he um, he passed away, and. Um, you know, uh, our hearts definitely go out to uh, anybody that loses a loved one. Uh, but I think at 78 years old, uh, looking back at the movie, if the movie per- pretty much portrayed his life, uh, I think George, regardless of him spending time in prison or whatnot, he still lived the life that he wanted to live, and he was good at what he done, you know. Absolutely. And, you know, this you know, pandemic we're in, everything going on, just, you know, you just never know who, you know, what's going to happen when. And I mean, you, you gotta, you gotta take every day and, and, and live it to its fullest because you never know what the next day is going to bring. And, um, you know, you know, it's kind of a crazy way to look at things at times, but it, in another way, it, it, it's very true. Yeah. And, uh, and George had, a, had a quote and I want to read it real quick, Chris. Um, mm-hmm. and, and it makes a lot of sense if you sit and think about it. Uh, he says, <clears throat> May the wind always be at your back and the sun upon your face and the winds of destiny carry you aloft to dance with the stars. And if you break that down, uh, he's basically saying, um, 
you know, leave the past in the past. Always be looking towards something. Have 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 something to look forward to. Um, and if you do that, uh, mm-hmm. your your winds of destiny will carry you wherever you want to go into your happiness. And and I believe that. I believe that a, a lot of people, um, if a lot of people would stop and just think about that for a minute and appreciate what they have and and try not to worry about changing nothing. Just uh, live your life to the fullest every day. Uh, and I, yep. I believe at the end of the day, everybody will be like, man, you know, I had a good life. Because, you know, I was talking to somebody yesterday. They were like, um, you know, asking me, uh, you know, like what 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 drew me to pro wrestling. And um, it was the fact that when I was a kid growing up, I, I knew in my heart that that's, that's all I wanted to do. Like I had no desire to be anything other than a pro wrestler. The only problem was I wasn't built right, <laughs> you know, to, to, right. to, to be on the big, to be, you know, to be up on the big, on, on the big stage. Um, but, yeah, no, but yeah. I didn't let that hold me down. I may have not have went to, you know, to New York or, you know, to Atlanta or any place like that, but I'm still living out my dream every day or every weekend or whenever it is I go wrestle, um, uh, so I'm, you know, I believed in myself when other people told me I was too small to this, to that, to I just kept on going and I ignored them. And, and fans, you listening out there, if you have a dream, do the same thing. Don't let nobody rob you of your dream. If it's in your heart, put your heart, put your soul, put your mind into it. And no matter what it is, if you do that, you'll definitely be successful. Yeah. You'll always question yourself. Always, yes. Should have, sure. could have, would have. Yep. I didn't do it, or or, or or someone else tried to convince me not to do it. Yep. So you know, I for just, whatever reason. Yeah, are the odds stacked against me? Sure. Yeah. Just but are they anyway. always stacked? No matter what you get involved with, the odds are usually stacked against you no matter what. Yep, no matter what. <laughs> no matter what it is. But, hey, if you enjoy doing it and you have a good time doing it, then that's all that matters. That That is it. You know? You know and, and, you know, you know, some guys get to wrestle in Madison Square Garden and, you know, the Omni in Atlanta and, and the Louisiana Superdome, like we talked tonight, and, and at WrestleManias. And, but then you got some guys where, hey, they know I'm always going to be in the minor leagues. And that's, but guess what? That's their WrestleMania. Right, right. That's yeah. their Superdome. Yep. So, you know, it, 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 it all works out. And at the end of the day, hey, if you could, lay your head, you know, on your pillow every night and say, Hey, you know what? I had a, I had a blast. I gave a hundred percent win, lose or draw. And you know, I'm going to keep moving forward. And that, and I, and that's all you can ask for. That That's it. At, that, at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So, and <laughs> at the end of the day, it, it's your life. So you live know? out your dreams and guys, if you listen out there, whatever you want to do, just go do it. And if your wife gets mad, just say, Tony and Chris told me, told me to live out my dreams. So I'm, I'm I'm knocking out all the strip clubs. <laughs> I'm yeah, just, now, I, yeah, now I'm gonna have women knocking on my door. <laughs> they're coming they're coming to see me and you, Chris. Uh, I, I I get enough heat from my office as it is. So so just just ignore what I just said. No, nah, but right, now you're good. What a great podcast tonight was. We 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 got to talk about two great uh, events: Jim Crockett Promotions and the US Festival. Um, and of course, we uh, let everyone know that uh, the NAWA has got their big show coming out this weekend and. And music is coming back, life's coming back, and I and I my my uh, prediction, uh, I think by the summer uh, we're going to be back to normal or pretty close back to normal. 
Uh, I'm looking forward to it, Chris. I cannot wait. Yeah, no, absolutely. You know, you know, like I tell everyone, Hey, listen, I know, I know Tony, you, you've got the vaccine. I got the vaccine, you know, everyone now the vaccines available to everyone throughout the United States. Everyone has their spot in line. Get your shot. Let's do the right thing. Let's get through this pandemic. Let's get to herd immunity, whatever that magic number is. And let's get back to some normalcy because it's going to make, it's going to be better for everyone. And Hey, we're all in this together. And, you know, I, you know, I, I could see the light at the end of the tunnel. I, I really could versus a, a year ago at this time, we were in the deep, dark trenches. I think we could see the light now somewhat towards the end of that tunnel. For sure. It's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. I cannot wait. Well, fans, thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. Make sure you tune in next week. Uh, I will be having the, um, the results of the NAWA's homecoming. Uh, and who knows? I'm, I might even have a, uh, a little spot on here with uh, Henry Goblin or uh, the Barbarian. You never know who might show up on the show, uh, but you got to tune in to find out and go like us on our Facebook page. Uh, Chris, you have anything before we leave tonight? Boy, Tony, you really turned back the clock. We went to 1986 and 1983, respectively, again. And we say this it was a great time to be a wrestling fan, it was a great time to be a rock and roll and a music fan in, in, in 1983. And no matter what genre of music you were listening to. And uh, it was just a great time, just like it is today. And I know you're fired up about the NAWA and Lenore this Saturday night. I know you might even have something up your sleeves in the crowd. I don't know what terrific Tony might have, but looking forward to hearing from the results and, and know all those guys are going to, you know, give it their all this Saturday and, and, and give a great show for the fans and, uh, and, and again, try to get back to some of that normalcy. Yeah, it's going to be a good time. Well, fans for Chris, I'm Tony. We'll see you next week on the binge buster show. Thank you for listening to the binge buster show. Make sure you like us on Facebook and download us on your favorite podcast platform.